You're listening to a podcast from River City Church of Jacksonville, Florida. For more audio and video podcasts, visit rccjacks.com. All right. It's a lot of pressure now, Derek. Appreciate that. Yeah, like Derek said, I've spoken one other time a year ago. When football season's getting close, that's when I get to speak for some reason, so... Hopefully football season's getting close. Anyhow, um, so like Derek said, like, my name's Craig Corral, and yes, I work here at River City Church. Um, I'm going to move this a little bit. There we go. And um, it's been a privilege. Like, I've been at the church now for four and a half years, going on five years, and it has been awesome. Like, I love what I do. Like, like Derek said, like, I get to head up all of our outreach stuff, and I get to be a part of a lot of our mission stuff, and that's just how God's wired me, how he's created me, and And I love it. And I love it. And today um, I get the opportunity to speak on The Second Love from C.S. Lewis's book, The Four Loves. Uh, Last week, Keith started us off with the first love, which was affection. And today I get to take up the second love. Um, These books, we sell them in the bookstore back here. So you're welcome to go back there and check them out. I have no idea how much they are. It says $13 right there. Not sure if that's true. But these books are back there if you would like to um, go and get one of these books. And one thing, if you know me at all, I was actually just talking to Ian and Clint over here about it. If you know me at all, like, I love games. Like, that's one of the things, like, I love games. Like, I'm a gamer. Whether it's basketball, cards, whatever, I love games. And so, starts off today, we are going to play a little game. And I call this game, Name That Pair. Okay? It's really simple. All you have to do is, I'm going to give you a name, and you give me the counterpart to that name. Okay? So, like, Here's an example. So if I said my name, if I said Craig and, excellent. You guys got it. Very good. Craig and Jennifer. I was a little worried you guys weren't going to get that. But okay, excellent job. Okay, so I'm going to give you some names, and you tell me the counterparts to that name. Okay, ready? Here we go. Start off easy. Ready? Laverne and, very good. You guys are into it this morning. Here we go. Batman and, Good. Bert and? Let's see. Let's make it a little more difficult here. How about Barney Rubble and? Fred Flintstone. Excellent. All right. Let's see. Clyde and? Ah, see what I did there? Switched it up on you, huh? Everyone knows Bonnie and Clyde, but I switched it up on you. All right. So good. Good. Bonnie and Clyde. All right. Last one. Here we go. Starsky and? Excellent. 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 So in case you haven't noticed, from the names I just gave you, I am speaking on the love of philia, which is friendship, okay? Friendship love, which is basically, you know, it's a bond. It's brotherly. It's this tie that we have with someone else. And it usually starts from something that we have in common with something, with someone else, or a goal that we have with someone else. Like all those names I just named, right? You got Laverne and Shirley. They were roommates. They worked together. You got um, Fred and Barney. They were neighbors. You got Bert and Ernie. They were roommates on the show Sesame Street. You got Starsky and Hutch. They were police officers. Bonnie and Clyde. They were outlaws, right? So you got all these people, and they have this one common thing, right? They have something in common, and that's where their friendship started off. But friendship is more than that. It comes out of more than that. It's also, it starts off with that common thing, but then it becomes, it's an invitation. An invitation that you extend for others to enter into your life. So we have to extend it to someone else to come in and enter into our life with us. Not only do we have this common thing, not only are we all here in this church, 
we can all come and just be a part of this and just head out of here and not even know each other. But we have to extend that invitation to someone else, okay? But the question is, like, why? Why would we ever do that? Why is it so hard to have friends, right? Like, why, why do we even want to make friends? There's no sense in it. Well, C.S. Lewis in his book, he says a few different things on why it is so hard to make friends, okay? Especially in our society. He talks a lot about society in his book. And in our society, there's a lot of different things that make it so we do not want to have friends. It makes it so there's no sense in even having them. And the first one I want to look at is isolation. In our society, it's all about the self. You want the self-promotion, right? You want to get the better job. You're looking out for yourself. That's what society tells us to do. It says, you take care of yourself. I don't want to let anyone get in my way. I don't want anyone to stop me from getting the glory. And that's what our society says, is it's all about you. And we struggle with this. We struggle with this because our society says, if it's about you, you don't have, you don't have to worry about it. We isolate ourselves. You don't have to worry about getting hurt. You're the one that controls everything in your life. Okay? Next, exclusion. Right? We've all been a part of middle school. You see the middle school cliques or the high school cliques, or you have this team or these groups of people, and you've been excluded. You've been hurt because you weren't included in that group. Great story. When I was in middle school, yes, I used to be in middle school. Great time. As Ed New would say, it was the best three years of his life. (laughs) Wait, he would say six years, right, Ed? Something like that. Best six years of Ed New's life. So anyway... um, When I was in middle school, I started this club, and it was called the Cool Club. I know what you're thinking. Awesome name. One of my gifts, one of my many gifts, is to come up with cool names. So if any of you guys are expecting children, just come talk to me. All right? So the Cool Club, right? And I had this club, and there were like four people in it. It was like me and my best bud, and I think we had two girls in the club too, which was awesome. Right? And so I thought it was great. And people would come up to me, and they'd be like, Craig, can we be in your club? And I'd be like, no, sorry. You're not cool. You're not cool enough. You cannot be in my club. And, you know, me in middle school, I was like, ah, you know, that's innocent. I'm not hurting anybody. But wouldn't you know it, this other friend of mine, this other guy in the class, who was probably, he was probably a little bit more popular than I was, he decided to start a club. Mm-hmm. I don't remember the name of it. It wasn't as cool as my name. But he started this other club. And, of course, the two girls in my club decided to join his club. So then it's just me and my buddy. And that's just weird. That's not really a club. I don't know what that is, but it's weird. So, so I'm just sitting there, and I'm like, man, what's going on? Suddenly, I'm the one on the outside, and I'm left out, and I'm hurt. So, of course, I go to my so-so friend. I'm like, hey, can I join your club? And he's like, nah, nah, sorry. You're not cool enough. And I'm like, ugh. So here I am, suddenly wounded. Can you believe it? It's been... See, I'm 31 now, so whatever that is. Almost 20 years now, and I remember that. It's a wound that I have. So we've all been wounded by exclusion. This is just one of the reasons, like, we don't want to partake in friendship. We've been wounded. We don't want to be wounded anymore. We don't want someone to say, nah, you're not cool enough. You're not good enough. And some of us have been on the other end of that, too. We're the ones that have said it to other people. I've been on both ends, right? And I've said to someone, nah, sorry. You're not good enough. You can't be a part of my group. You can't be a part of my friendship. And it's a wound. And so we just stay away from it. Why even get involved in it? Okay? So next we go on is intimacy. Many of us have fear of intimacy. 
if someone really, really got to know us, no way they would want to be a part of our lives. If they knew what I was really like on the inside, there's no way they would want to be a part of my life. It all becomes about behavior. When we're doing good and feeling good, we're like, yeah, I'm ready to have friends. But when we're not doing good, we just back off. We seclude ourselves. We don't want any intimacy with anybody. And also, it's also like, in intimacy, you have to be vulnerable. You have to open yourself up. And a lot of times, like, as guys, or anyone, actually, we're like, man, I don't know if I want to be intimate because, or if we're in a place where, like, not everyone's the same as us, but like, oh, I definitely don't want to be intimate because I don't want that weirdo liking me and being friends with me. And they're going to be calling me at all hours of the night, and it's going to be awkward, and I don't want to be a part of that. And so we're like, nah, I don't want to be intimate with anyone. And so I have a clip that kind of shows what intimacy is like and how we exclude ourselves a lot of times. And I'm not promoting this video. Um, it would probably not be appropriate for any other church other than RCC. But it does a great job of showing about intimacy and just how we exclude ourselves and how we don't want to let anyone else into our wolf pack. Go ahead. I want to talk about something. All right. I, want I like to, to... I'd like to say something. Oh, we need volume. That I've prepared tonight. All right. Alan. Hello. How about that ride in? I guess that's why they call it Sin City. <laughs> you guys might not know this, but I consider myself a bit of a loner. I tend to think of myself as a one-man wolf pack. But when my sister brought Doug home, I knew he was one of my own. And my wolf pack, it grew by one. So were there two of us, there were two of us in the wolf pack. I was alone first in the pack, and then Doug joined in later. And six months ago, when Doug introduced me to you guys, I thought, wait a second, could it be? And now I know for sure, I just added two more guys to my wolf pack. All right. All right. We're back. Classic. We are back. That's We are back. We are getting Doug back. And we're the three best friends that anybody could have. We're the three best friends that anyone could have. We're the three best friends that anyone can have. And we'll never, ever, 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 ever leave each other. We're the best three friends that All right. Excellent, excellent. So... It's an awkward clip, right? You got this guy, and it's like no one really wants to be his friend, but suddenly he's included himself in the group, right? And it's Alan, you know, and he's like, I have been alone all my life, and suddenly I've encountered my best friends, the three best friends that anyone could ever have, right? And so that's how we feel a lot of times. Like we feel like, man, I don't, I don't want to get involved because there's some weirdo like Alan out there that's just looking to attach himself to me, and it's going to be awkward, and it's going to be hard. And so we just stay away from intimacy. We stay away from it. We're like, you know what? It's not worth it. Ah, friendship is not worth it. And next, like, lastly, like, truth be known, like, friends, it's just, natu- it's just not natural to have friends. Um, C.S. Lewis in his book has this quote. We can throw it up there. It says this. <clears throat> it says, affection, which is like being raised and reared and all those things in your family, and eros, which is the physical, sexual side of love, 
Um, they happen in every individual. But friendship is the least natural of loves, the least instinctive, organic, and necessary. It is between individuals, and when we enter into friendship, it actually pulls us away from the herd or the natural. Without eros, none of us would have been begotten, born. And without affection, none of us would have been reared. But we can live without friendship. Biologically, there is no need for it. All right? So it makes no sense. It makes absolutely no sense. There's no reason to have friends. Why don't we just stick to the biological if that's enough? But the thing is, we're human beings, right? We're more than just biological. We have the spiritual side. And that's where friendship enters in. And there's this battle going on. There's this battle going on between Satan and God, right? Satan wants to use friendships to do spiritual bad, spiritual evil. And God wants to use them to do spiritual good. And so there's this battle going on and this tension. That's why, like, growing up, you know, there's all those, all those sayings that your parents told you, or your grandparents said, you better watch who you're going to be friends with, all right? Watch your friends. I don't know if you should hang out with that guy, Craig. That guy, he's got some issues. Who doesn't, right? But that guy, he's got some issues. And so we had this tension there, and we had to choose who our friends were. <clears throat> and the thing is, like, that is what makes friendship so different from all the other loves, we choose how this will shape and mold us. We choose who our friends are going to be. We choose how this love is going to look in our life. So a lot of times we choose not to even have it involved in our life. And sometimes we choose to have it involved in our life. And God can do amazing things. And Satan can do evil things too. And so there's these, this struggle going on within us. Well, we're going to look at an example of friendship in the Bible. All right, if I asked you to tell me like, about a friendship in the Bible, this would be one of your top two or three guesses on friendship in the Bible. And we're going to look at Jonathan and David. Okay, so if you can pull out your Bibles. Um, if you need a Bible, there are Bibles at the polls here. Uh, if you don't own a Bible, you're welcome to these Bibles. You're welcome to take them home with you. They're right here by the polls. And so we're going to be in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel, which is in the Old Testament. Towards the beginning of your Bible. It's like the ninth or 10th book, something like that. So not too far in. All right, so 1 Samuel chapter 18. I'll read it off the screen up here. Here we go, 1 Samuel chapter 18. We're looking at verses 1 through 5 or 6, 1 through 5. It says, as soon as he had finished speaking, actually, no, back up, sorry. Give you a little dialogue going in, what's going on here, okay? So, David. David is this little shepherd boy, right? And he comes in, and he's starting to become a man. And he comes in, and there's this war going on. And he comes in, and he kills the giant Goliath. We all know that story. And Saul is the king. And his son is Jonathan. And Jonathan is the rightful heir to the throne. He is the one that's supposed to take over the kingdom when Saul dies. So, that's the setting right there. And Saul brings David in. He brings David in, and he's sitting him down, and he's trying to figure out who is this young man who killed, the, killed Goliath and is now the hero of my nation. And he's asking him who he is, where he came from, all these different things. And so that's where this picks up right here, okay? So a little background for you. And it says, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, David, as soon as he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day, and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David. 
because he loved him as his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armor and even his sword and his bow and his belt. And David went out and was successful wherever Saul sent him. So that Saul set him over the men of war. And this was good in the sight of all the people and also in the sight of Saul's servants. All right. So when you first look at that, you're like, yeah, that makes sense. David, the war hero, war hero, comes in, right? Jonathan, the son of the king, BFFs forever, perfect combination. Why wouldn't it work out? But there's something else going on here that we don't see in this, in this passage here, is that David has also been anointed to be the king. He's supposed to be the next king. And Jonathan and Saul, they figure this out. And so what should be like this perfect combo, actually, it looks like a perfect combo on the outside, actually should never happen. They should be enemies. Jonathan should hate David. There is no reason that Jonathan should be friends with David. No reason at all when you're looking at it from the biological worldly, worldly perspective. Jonathan should hate David and want him dead. But something happens in Jonathan. C.S. Lewis talks about like these beauties that we see in other people. And that's where friendship begins. The beauty that we see in someone else. And Jonathan sees a beauty inside of David. He sees God's anointing on him. He sees that the Holy Spirit is upon David. And he says, you know what? I don't care. I don't care if David takes my kingdom. I need to be a part of that. Like there's something in David that is just helping me become who God wants me to be. I need to be a part of that. And vice versa. David should be scared to death of Jonathan. There is no reason for David to be friends with Jonathan either. He should be staying away from him. His dad, Saul, is trying to kill him. Why would you want to be friends with someone whose dad is trying to kill you? You should stay out of that building. But for whatever reason, David sees something in Jonathan. He goes, you know what? I need to be a part of that guy's life. That guy needs to be in my life because he speaks something to me, which is awesome. He has God's anointing. I need to be a part of that. And so they form this friendship, which makes absolutely no sense. No sense at all. But then again, when does friendship make sense? Really? Like I said, Jonathan saw beauty in David. Everything, everything about that relationship told Jonathan to run away. Pride could have set in on Jonathan. And fear could have set in on David. But instead, they decided to pursue God's holiness, God's goodness, God's spirit. Because of their friendship and their love, they were able to see the beautiful thing in each other and the beautiful thing that God was doing in them. That's one of the things like, I love about RCC. I love about our church, right? Like people call us weird and different and we have a lot of different people groups here. You know, we have people that have never been in want their entire life. They've had everything they ever needed. And we've had pe- we have people here that are barely making it. They don't know how they're gonna get to church this morning. They have no idea, right? And then we have people from the east side. And we have people from the west side. We have people from the beach. We have people from all over the place. We have black. We have white. We have country people. And we have businessmen. And we have all these different people here in our church. And God says, awesome. That is good. And we say, uh, 
I don't know about this. Do I really want to enter in friendship with all these weirdos? <laughs> That's what we are. We're all a bunch of weirdos. But, even me. No. And so, and God says, you know what? Look at each other. Really look at each other. And you'll see the beauty in the other person. You'll see the way that I want to draw that beauty out of you through that other person. And that's what friendship is all about. That's what God wants to do. He wants to, as love, philia, friendship, it's the ultimate goal of these relationships is love. Revealing the beauties within the other person becomes the focus. And this is why we must choose to have friends. This is why we need to risk it. This is why we need to open ourselves up to cry, to laugh, and enjoy others. Friendship is the most powerful way here on earth that we are able to see God's glory. That is how we see God's glory. As Christians, like, that's how we do it. That is how we're going to see God's glory. We see that beauty in someone else, and it reflects what God's glory is. They see it in us, and it reflects what God's glory is. And that's why we have to choose to enter into this love. We have to choose to enter into friendship. And that's what makes friendship amazing. So, now what we're going to do is uh, we're all going to stand up. Stand up. And we're all going to hold hands and sing, sing Michael W. Smith's song, Friends Are Friends Forever. Because I know you all love it. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Now, actually, we are going to, um, we're going to enter into what I, one of the most powerful times that I love here at RCC, which is our prayer ministry. And I feel like God just wants to do a lot of different things today. Like, I feel like all of us are dealing with all those issues, but I feel like God's just bringing to mind to each of you just specific things in your mind or in your heart that he wants to work with. Um, for some of us, that could be forgiveness. As I've been going through this talk this week, like, I feel like forgiveness is a big issue when it comes with friendships. Just like I was talking about my little, my little cool club there, like, we hold on to that. When people exclude us, we don't want to forgive them. And some of us need to forgive ourselves from how we've excluded others. And so I think that's going to be a big part of what we do when we go into prayer ministry today, is just thinking about that. Like, how is it that God wants to speak to me? I see now, like, in order to see God's glory here on this earth, in order to see the beauty in others and have the beauty in me pulled out, I need to enter into this love. I need to enter into friendships. Maybe some of you just don't know how to do that. So let's ask God. Come down front and ask God, how do I do that? I'm going to have Derek come up now, and we're going to enter into, into prayer ministry. But that's the question. We're just asking ourselves, God, what do I need to do to enter into this love? What do I need to do to enter into friendship? I know I need it. How do I get it?